It's so wonderful to be back. We've been away um, on, in the Cape, uh, Cape Town and the Eastern Cape. And um, I want to thank the elders just for releasing us and ministering. And it's always great to come back to a healthy, full church. So you can send us away anytime you want. <laughs> so obviously, God is moving. And um, just really appreciate all of you and all of your lives. Um, and as much as it's wonderful to be on holiday, we are blessed by, given, we are given often a house by an ex-member of this church to go to and to um, just refresh. And I want to tell you, it's, it's been huge for us to be able to go and uh, just refresh. And uh, on Sunday mornings, we normally walk on the beach and look at shells in the sea and an odd dolphin or whatever. But I'm so glad God has called us to more. Amen. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that and appreciate having free time and just doing our own thing but deeply grateful uh, for the work that God has called us to, amen? Deeply grateful for the church, deeply grateful for the idea of discipleship and uh, commitments and um, the weight of leadership. Deeply grateful to God that he's, when I got saved, he said to me, I don't want you to backslide. I don't want you to come to me. This is what I felt God said to me as a father. I didn't really know him, but I felt God called me and he began to father me and he said, I don't want you to give your life to me and then eventually backslide. I don't want 20 years of good service or 10 years or 30 years. I want your whole life or nothing. Now that may scare you, but I'm just telling you what I felt. And I, say, and I felt the Lord say, I want you to count the costs and the revival that you're in will not last. The revival of these amazing speakers, we were part of the Jesus Movement revival, the um, Something you just had to get to a meeting and there'd be power and signs and wonders and healing and incredible worship. And the Lord said, that's not going to necessarily sustain, but I want you to serve me all the days of your life. And um, so that's what Katya and I have decided to do. We've decided to serve Jesus. Um, has it been easy? No. Has it been wonderful? Yes. And I want to talk to you this morning about two things, salvation and discipleship. And... Um, I hope it works out. Uh, this is not a, a model message. I haven't got it from anybody. I literally just wrote it, uh, wrote it out, and uh, here goes. When you get saved, it's massive. It's the biggest decision of your life. Perhaps you hear this morning and you're saying, well, I'm not saved, or I want to be saved. I want to be born again. What happens to you when you get saved is you're taken out of bondage. There is a bondage that you may be very aware of or unaware of. I wasn't aware of the power of sin in my life. You may not be aware um, of the magnitude or the power of sin. And the best example is Israel under the hand of Pharaoh. They were like this nation of God who had chains on their ankles and Pharaoh would hold the chain. And when their leader came and said, listen, God says, let my people go that they may worship me. He said, who is your God that I should let these slaves go? And um, he was basically saying, I'm God. I'm the power. And God says, no, I'm the power. And salvation would be a dramatic and a powerful and a, a, um, it culminated with the death of every firstborn, except if you had the blood on the lintels of your door, would be, um, would be killed, the firstborn. But if you, were, if you had the blood, which just speaks, speaks of Jesus, you would be saved and you would be reconciled. You would be, no longer be a captive. And that's the picture 
of salvation. There's an Acts 2 moment where these angry religious Pharisees hear Peter preach, and it says they were cut to the heart, and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, you need to put your faith in Jesus, and you need to be baptized. You need to believe and be baptized. And so salvation is where you repent of your sin. And, and what's happened is in, in the last sort of 20, 30 years, there's been a very soft call. And I want to call us again that if you want to be saved, you need to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus. There's nothing more, more wonderful than, than to say, Lord, I repent of the way I've lived. I am sorry for it. And that can only happen if the Spirit convicts you. If the Spirit doesn't convict you, you won't. You'll kind of say, well, I don't know if I want this. It doesn't not really convenient but if you really want a transformation of your life, you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I turn around and I put my faith in you. I, I, I put my faith in the finished work of the cross. And God begins to you experience the power of salvation. I don't have time to speak about that. But something of the power of salvation that you would know if you're saved, you can't explain it. The light of God comes into your heart. It's never forced, even though people may call you. You can't force salvation. It's something that you need to accept. You need to say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I give you my life. And so you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you get saved and you open up your heart to Jesus, he puts his spirit in you. You may need an infilling of the Spirit, but nonetheless, He comes and He gives you His Spirit. And when the Spirit of God, the Parakletos, comes into you, He gives you gifts. You won't know it. It's like when you're born as a child. You don't know that your child may be very gifted musically or gifted in sports or gifted relationally or gifted academically. But God gives you gifts by His Spirit ministry gifts, and you experience joy and relief, and I remember a sense of just relief. I'm now finally in the camp of Christ. I wasn't in the camp of Christ, but got into that, and there's personal freedom from bondages and fears and strongholds, and you begin the journey of being a new creation. You have access to God. You suddenly can say, my Lord. You can say, my Father. You can say, my Savior, Jesus. Your language changes. Isn't it wonderful? In a sense, the veil gets torn. Remember as a Catholic kid, I wanted to go where the sacraments and that little dome was because I, I was told God is in there. And I wanted to go into that little thing in the, in the Catholic church where I could know who God was. I had a desire even as a kid. But now the, the veil gets torn. You have access, a relationship, a loving relationship, not a religious relationship, not a relationship of fear, not a relationship of you don't qualify, but a loving relationship like a child, like a healthy child with a healthy parent. Um, you experience that. You become a son or a daughter. You experience wholeness. You don't, you're no longer an orphan, very insecure. So when you meet insecure Christians, you think, like, why are you so insecure? Are you just... You, you're a son, you're a daughter, you, you have a seat at the table, amen, you're e loved equally by the Lord. Guilt and shame gets removed from your life. You're washed by the blood of Jesus. That can happen to you today. You can experience the washing. Nothing washes like the blood of Jesus. Nothing will wash you, will, will heal you. It's a mystery. It's a wonderful thing, but you experience a cleansing the blood of Jesus. You may shed tears of joy. You may not. 
Different reactions have been had by different people. But the few, you feel the burden of sin that has plagued you. For years sometimes, things that you've done that you just carry a shame about or things done to you. Somebody here, I was praying this morning, done to you. Something done to you and you carry shame and bitterness and hurt and anger. They can get washed away, amen? You can be forgiven of pain and heartache and trauma in your life. And that thing, like the devil says, you are captive, you are mine. I am Pharaoh and I'll put a chain on your ankle. You will never be free of that sexual abuse or that which happened to you. And the chains can be cut and you can go through the waters of baptism and you can get to the other side and you can begin to dance and rejoice like Israel did. Freedom of worship, hunger to read the word of God, the deep dive, and you suddenly, the, the, the spirit opens the word to you. Your heart gets filled with praise and with tenderness. I remember as a very cool kid listening to obs- like hectic music. I mean, I, I had music. I used to go to these music shops in Gray Street and buy all these wild records, vinyls. And when I got saved, they were like, my mind was open. I thought, this is terrible stuff. The lyrics were shocking. And I went to church and there were these people playing on the piano, singing to Jesus, and my heart melted. I literally thought, what? Listen to that. I don't know. What was that? That wasn't like cool music and genre that got me going. It was the spirit that began to teach me, that he began to help me to praise the Lord. Amen? And you receive an anointing. You get empowered by Jesus. You know that your name, name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You experience massive priority changes. Your, your life changes. What you were called to before, now you feel different. You receive prophetic words. Often when you get saved, you receive words. You need to hold on to those words. They are, they are words that are given. You may not understand them and think, see, that's weird. I mean, that hasn't even happened after 10 years or so. But you receive words. You need to hold on to those words. You go in an opposite direction. You may experience Deep emotion or not, doesn't matter. That's not it. The problem is many people have said no because they feel I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to sustain. I won't be true to the faith. Perhaps you've tried it once before. Perhaps you say I'm just a worldly person. I love the, the, the things of the world. I'm drawn to the things of the world. I'm not drawn to the things of sacrifice. And I don't want to be a missionary, please, Nick. <laughs> well, that's the Lord's call. He helps us. The Lord helps you. He enables you. He empowers you to resist. When the temptation comes, when sin comes, you begin to hear the words of Jesus. You begin to hear that even Jesus himself, by his spirit, begins to intervene and says, no, Nick, don't go there. Be careful of that. That's not a good road. I said before you, life and death, that's, a, that's not a good road. And, and so the Lord begins to speak to you and he begins to guide you. And he begins to, you hear inner voice, conviction, scriptures, the spirit. Of course, the devil on the other side says, no, come, come. That's old style. That's Victorian. It's okay. You can just fiddle here. God knows. He, he, he knows that, that kind of, you know, there's this thing inside of you. And listen, it's okay. And many others have done it. It's fine. And he begins to seduce and whisper and reason the world, the devil. No one believes that anymore. Everyone's doing it. Even in the church, they're having sex together. They're sleeping together. They, they, they're doing stuff that they shouldn't do. They're greedy. They're arrogant. They're bombastic. 
They're not gentle. You, you can be arrogant. You can be harsh with your wife. Or wife, you can withhold yourself and, and, and never forgive your husband for something that he's done. And the devil says, it's fine. And that's why you say, look, I'm just a horrible person. And you want to move away. Sometimes the devil says, you're just a suppressed person. Stop holding back. Go wild. Enjoy yourself. Be like the prodigal. Take the money. Go and have wild living. And so you have this battle going on between the word of God and the devil inside of you. Be free of your inhibitions. God doesn't want you to have fun, but come and have fun. Come, with, come and have fun. Drink a bit, get drunk, smoke a bit of marijuana, have sex, experiment, explore, lose your inhibitions. And so there's this battle, and then the spirit begins to call you, and, and you, your desires for the things of God, but sometimes the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. It begins to tell you that Christians are judging you. Even Jesus seems to be the one that condemns you. It's like the word, you feel like the word condemns you. The devil becomes your defender. He says, I understand that you're weak. Look at your dad. Look at your mom. Look at your siblings. Come on, go ahead and do it. Enjoy your sexual freedom more. But after we've fallen and we sin and we mess up, it's funny how everything changes. The roles get reversed. Suddenly, Christ becomes your defender. And suddenly, the Satan becomes your accuser. When you fall and when you sin, the devil says, you see, you'll never match up. You see, you're just a sinner. You see, you're a hypocrite. He brings you accusation after accusation. You can't resist. You're addicted. You're bad. You'll never serve Christ properly. You're broken. Give up. Leave the church. They're just judging you. Every time you walk in, you feel judged. Yeah. You see, that's the devil speaking, condemning. Now despair sets in, hopelessness, shame, condemnation. Don't you dare worship. Don't you dare lift your hands, hypocrite. You'll never measure up. Just give up. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He accuses before God, the Bible says, day and night. But the Bible says he will eventually be hurled down. Jesus, on the other hand, who said to you, don't. Who said to you, hold back. Who said to you, I'll give you the power. He becomes your defender. He invites you back to himself. He says, come back to the cross. Come back to my grace. Only Jesus can offer forgiveness and give you full, legitimate, righteous repentance. He says, confess your sins. I'm just and I'm righteous, which means the work that I did on the cross legitimizes me to totally forgive you of your sin. That he shall be remembered no more as far as the east is from the west. Now, that's why we worship him. That's why you saw Mikey just about jumping out of his skin this morning. Because there's such joy and exuberance that Jesus is our forgiver, our sin eater. He covers us. He says, give me your brokenness. I will cover you with my robe of righteousness. I'm he who blots out your transgressions. Say that again. Listen, listen carefully. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25. I am he blotting paper. Remember the old-fashioned blotting paper for those of you that are old as me? I will blot out your transgressions. I will absorb. I will, the, I will take your sin upon myself. I will blot out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. So when, the, when you come and say, but you remember I did that? 
I remember, I've chosen, I haven't forgotten, I've chosen to remember no more. I don't know what you are speaking about. It's been blotted into the blood of my son, Jesus. You can be free. He bears it on the cross and he has the right and the power to forgive us. When the one who turns around and has led us into sin, and that's the flesh, it's the world, it's the devil, he'll turn around and accuse you. He is relentless in his accusation. He lures people and then he holds people. He says, like, you can try this marijuana. You can try these drugs. You can try this addiction. You can, you can keep drinking and keep getting tipsy until you're addicted, until he holds us. Though your sins, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, listen carefully. Though your sins, we should sing this song. I don't know if there's one like this, Mikey. Are like scarlet. Sometimes as a pastor, I know, I know who I am. I know my own brokenness, but sometimes I think, sometimes I listen and I think, oh, that's hectic, bro. How do you cope with that? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be white like wool. Jesus says, I live to intercede for you. So to intercede means I live to stand in the gap between you and our God. Because I know, I have no illusion about who you were, Nick. I called you to serve me and all of you here. But I have no illusion. I, I know what your weaknesses are. I know what your temptations are. I know where you will lack faith. I know where you will be Harsh and horrible to yourself or to your family or to your spouse. But I live to intercede. Where are your accusers, he said to the woman caught in the act of adultery. What do you think Jesus was doing writing on the sand? What do you think when they dragged her full of adultery, full of the marks of adultery, caught her in the very act, when they dragged this woman to front, in front of Jesus and he knelt down, what do you think he was doing? I believe he was interceding for her because he is the interceder. And she was caught in the horror as a Jewish woman of adultery. And she faced one thing, stoning. And he said, you who are without sin, you can cast the first stone. He is interceding for her. And eventually when there's none left, he looks at her and says, neither do I condemn you. Go, my daughter, and sin no more. And I will continue to intercede for you. That's why we can finish the race, amen? We don't live there. We don't stay there. Oh, he let me go. Back to my old ways. No, 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 no. I should have died. But he's interceded for me. He lives to intercede. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that includes the weariness and burden of age. I think I'm 45. No, 35. I'm surprised that when I go paddling, I get tired and all the young people go past me and I think, what's wrong with me? But age does stuff to you. Sometimes you you become introverted or you become grumpy. Let him intercede for you. Say, Lord, I'm 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 a grumpy person. Give me your joy. Give me your life. Give me your word. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. And that doesn't just include, that includes the weariness and the burden of sin and brokenness. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. You see, when we mess up, the tendency is to run away from God and we run into the camp of Pharaoh. But, the, but, the, but Jesus says, come to me. 
come back to me. We all stumble in many ways. This is James. We all stumble. Can I say that again? You see, sometimes we look at these guys that are falling on TV and we, we look at elders and we think, gee, no, no, every single human being has struggles. It could be struggles you, are ne- you have no idea that God is not happy about something that I'm doing. You may think, well, you know, I, have a drink, I get drunk, which is not good. Or I'm addicted to dope. Or I have a, a pornography problem. So, so, so yes, those are problems. I have an anger problem. But the one next to you may have a problem of unbelief. He may have a problem of disobedience. He may have a problem of anger. Some sins are more visible and some sins are hidden. We all come. Come to me. Somebody give me an amen, please. We all of us, all of us, only Jesus is the perfect one. If you're in doubt, go and read the Bible about all the figures in the Scriptures. Moses begged God, can I go in? No, you're not going in. Can I, can I go into the promised land? He said, you're not, because you struck the rock. But I love you, Moses. But Joshua's going to go in. Amen? And I could go on and on and on about the characters. And even Paul says, a wretched man that I am. He, said, he calls himself a Paul, a wretched man. Peter we know because it's all written about him. We all stumble in many ways. Lord, have mercy on me, the tax collector. Man, I'm a bad guy. I'm a bad guy. He says, and the other guy is saying, hey, Lord, I'm such a good guy. Look, check my prayers. Everybody, can you see? And that other one who's looked down, he says, he went home justified. Give ear. We have a high priest who is, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He is able to sympathize with your weaknesses, but please serve him. Please be faithful. Please come back. Be courageous enough to say, listen, I did mess up, but hey, I've said sorry, I've repented, I've gone to God, but I'm back. Amen? Amen. That's what we need, church. We, we don't need a weak church of people. We need a church that is, we know who we are. People say, oh, you're amazing. Say, no, no, don't say I'm amazing. Jesus is amazing. Not, not me. I'm not amazing. I'm a servant like you. I'm a donkey like you. I'm trying to get him just to, I'm trying to yield He's able. He is not unable, which means he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were. The sexual revolution. What, how do you think Jesus, how many women do you think went to Jesus and saying, hmm, 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 this guy can be. How many women do you think maybe flaunted themselves or flirted with him or undid their tops a little lower to show a little more cleavage to Jesus? Is that possible? I think it's possible. Do you think Jesus thought, I would love this woman just to embrace me? I've been alone for a long time now and I'm about to go and get crucified. Please take this cup from me. Jesus was tempted in every way. Jesus was tempted not to obey his father. He said, take this cup that you've called me to away from me, please. I beg you. I'm bleeding so much that he was tempted in every way. Just as we are, say that again, underline, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the, what do we approach? Underline, the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.15. So you approach, oh, the awesome God who's like got fire coming. No, no, the throne of grace, where you find grace. 
I used to go, I used to, I was a naughty kid at school. Caroline Watson, who's no longer here, tell you, I was a naughty kid, man. Every time I got my butt caned, oh, that headmaster's office wasn't a throne of grace. It was a, an office of pain. One day he said, I'm going to whip you so hard, you ain't going to come back because you come back every second day. My head exploded with pain that day. I know it's very, very harsh for some of our younger people to hear that, but it worked for me. <laughs> well, kind of. But it's a throne of grace. What is a throne of grace? With confidence that we may have mercy. In other words, I've come to a throne of grace because I need rewards. No, I need mercy. And find grace to help us in my time of need. Therefore, Hebrews 7, chapter 5, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. Yes, I'm stumbling. Yes, I'm falling. Yes, I want to be like a prodigal. Yes, I've backslidden. But actually, he lives to intercede and he's able to save completely those who come to God because he lives to intercede. Jesus is the specialist in the area of sin. Funny, Ingrid talks about the sin eater. I didn't tell her what I was preaching. I thought, gee, isn't that amazing? You know, you know, guy, I shared this with you before. Guy in Mauritius said, you know, Mr. Nick. I said, yes, just call me Nick. I'm not Mr. Nick. Yeah, Nick. He said, I like your sermon, but I don't like what you say about sin. Can you take that word out? I said, I cannot. He said, well, that makes it difficult for me. So I said, so I'm mandated not by you, but by the Bible. I'd love to talk about a new age faith. But the power of sin needs to be broken by the blood of Jesus. Jesus specializes in rescuing us. You know, those Sherpas, they say, we can't rescue him. You know, the, the sea's too rough. We can't rescue. The animal is about to destroy that guy. You, you think of the, the picture of any form of rescue. You need to be a specialist. You're going to fly a helicopter in, in mist. Too dangerous. Let him die. Jesus is a specialist rescuer. A wretched man who I am, who will rescue me from this body of death, says Paul. He rescues us. I was looking up the word rescue this morning. I think 40 times in the scriptures. Rescue, rescue. Once you get saved, once you come to Christ, my second point, <laughs> are you saved? Have you experienced it? Have you backslidden? Have you given up? Are you a prodigal? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Point number two, now that you've become saved, now that you are saved, Jesus wants you to become a disciple because if you don't, you won't. It'll be a terrible journey. Can I have a sip of water? He wants you to become a disciple. Can I talk a little bit about that? There's a transformation. You're born again. He now begins to take you on a journey. He's going to fill you with his truth. The Holy Spirit will take residence and he begins to lead us into all truth. Jesus, we are totally caught up with his miracles, walking on water, cursing the fig tree, transfigured. But Jesus' main work, those were momentary things. They were beautiful. We need them. But Jesus' main thing was to take the 12. That, what's it called? What's that movie that's on TV? The Chosen. I think what they're depicting life together. Because actually Jesus gave three years to take 12 and 72 and 120 different, different intensities and said, come follow me. 
and he radically discipled them. They left what they were doing. They followed him. They stayed close to him. They traveled with him. There were four fishermen. There was one tax collector. There was Simon the Zealot. There was the thief. His name was Judas Iscariot. And there were five others. We don't know what they did. But all we know is those fishermen, zealots, tax collectors, thieves, left everything and followed Jesus. Can I just go and say goodbye to my pops? Ah. Can I go and be? Come, now. Discipleship is an aspect. They say, Barna Research says 80% of the church in America, because they say what happens in America affects the world. I don't know if that's true. I know, I know many keep on saying that. What happens in America, you've got to get revived in America. It happens in America, it happens in the rest of the world. I don't know if that's true. Maybe. But they say America, 80% of the church will not be discipled. We're like wild horses. We save, man. Check. Running in the wild. But give me a horse, a Mustang, that's bridled. It's wonderful to see that wild horse, but he's no use to man or beast. He's great to look at. Got a great gait, got a great freedom. But actually, God gave that animal to be ridden. A beast of burden. They obeyed him. He sent them out. He was transfigured before them. You see, when you become a disciple, you experience and God gives you with amazing things, I believe. He did miracles. They themselves did miracles. They witnessed the agony of Gethsemane. He said, now come and witness. They could see him bleeding. He saw, they saw him get arrested. They were vulnerable. They were unsure. He said, one of you is going to betray me. Is it, is it our Lord? She says, one of you here, one of you that dips your, is it me? Is it, who, who is it? They, they were like, you know, the one was singing the, singing the praises, you're the son of God. The next sentence, get behind me, Satan. Jesus was discipling them. He says, a wicked and perverse generation, how long will I bear with you? He discipled them. He fathered them, amen? He taught them. He celebrated the Passover together. He washed their feet. He prayed with them. He modeled proximity. That's discipleship. Now, we can't live together like Mikey shared last week necessarily. We can't live in, in, in the same house. We don't believe in, in, a, in a cult of community where you, we, we ask in the world, but we understand proximity, togetherness, family, never alone. Those who accepted his message were baptized. We read it last week. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, devoted themselves, their fellowship, they broke bread, they prayed together. Everyone was filled with awe and many wondrous and miraculous signs were, were done by the apostles. They were all together. What, what was the togetherness about? It was discipleship. It was learning. It was mingling. Gee, so were you, who are the three up on the mountain? Just, just come again with that story. What actually happened? Peter, what did you say? No, I said we should build a booth. But the Lord says, build a booth here. Butch, get down to the people. And so there would be stories, and they were together and with awe. And, would, and so they met together, and they broke bread, etc., with glad and sincere hearts, etc., People who are truly saved, not just have a brush with Jesus, devote themselves to serving him. Listen to the scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. The household of Stephanus were the first converts. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. The household of Stephanus were the first converts in Acacia. And they have devoted themselves. What? They, Christianity 101. They just saved. They're the first converts. They devote themselves to the service of the saints. They get saved with days. They say, okay, we're going to serve the saints. 
I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these, the household of Stephanus, and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. Colossians 4.12, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to doing what is good. You know that it fills joys. My heart is full to see. My heart is joyous to see a hall that's full. I went to the prayer meeting on Thursday, and I don't know what the elders did, but they called people to pray, or maybe the Spirit moved upon now listen, the trouble with insecure pastors like me is we love crowds. We love people. We love lots. We love plenty. Amen? But actually, Jesus is looking for a disciple. Are you, are you close? You must say, Nick, listen, I just came for an easy Sunday sermon. This is as easy as it gets. <laughs> this is Christianity 101. Jesus didn't have this big thing and say, boys, like, uh, do you, maybe do you want to come for a ride? Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, immediately, immediately. You, Mr. Matthew, tax collector, immediately he, he stopped. Here, have, have all my money. Here's my booth. Tax collecting license. Take it. I'm going to follow Jesus. To truly become a follower of Christ, to survive this difficult journey with a lifetime of challenges, going against the way of the world, you will not make it alone. You will not make it bouncing around. To stand strong to the end, to endure, to persevere, to be faithful, you need to be discipled, and very soon you need to be making disciples. I'm not talking about locking the church into four walls. I'm a man that believes I just love being on holiday. We were in Cape Town for two weeks. There were just people. We met people, spoke to people on the beach. Hi, how are you? Uh, love to be out there. Love to share the gospel. Love to just give a word. Just say something. Just give me something for this guy we passed for the second time walking on the beach. Maybe got a, you got a word from the Lord. Maybe he needs you. Amazing how many Christians in South Africa, you just kind of share something. They say, hey, that's amazing, bro. Thank you. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Me too, I'm a Christian. It's just amazing in this country. You can't fight the fights of faith alone. There is a fight we have to fight. There's no army that stands alone. There's no one that stands alone. We stand together, shoulder to shoulder. Amen? The picture of the church being a body. A body means one body, many parts. What do you, how do you rip the heart out? How do you take the head off? How do you take the hand out? Katya was showing me a picture of that lady. What's her name? That's only got one arm. Bethany, somebody. She has served with one hand. I can't serve with two hands. I fall over. She surfs huge waves. One shark bit one arm. Off. Up. But the body, we need you. The foot cannot say to the head, I have no need of you. And so there's a picture that Jesus gives us. Uh, where am I? A flock of sheep. You don't, you don't isolate a sheep. Mincemeat. You're a, you're a temple. You're living stones joined together. I'm a living stone. I'm part of a stone that's cemented into red points. And then into the, the, the temple of the building comes the Shekinah, the spirit, the people of God. I'm, a, I'm part of the family of God, which means I'm, I'm in a family. A family, you don't, you don't get born and say, good luck, bro. You look good. We'll see you when you're 21. That little oaky, he needs... We, we need to be disciples. We are the children of God. We are babies. We, amen? So we're part of a family. And then we still 
I mean, they, our kids are 28 and 30. We still, we thought like 18, done, dusted. Nothing, but it keeps going. Prayed more than ever, amen? Petition God more than ever. I mean, I mean, it never stops with the family of God. My glasses are misting up. We're part of a family, man. It's so, this is so important, guys. You're a vineyard, which means you're a tree. You can't fertilize yourself. You can't water yourself. You can't take the pestilence off you. You can't stop the fox coming in from eating your vine. But the vine dresser can. The husbandman can. So we, 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 we're part of a vineyard. We need help. I need help. Amen? Constantly, we need help. You cannot pick your own fruit. You cannot fertilize. You're an army. You're not a, disciples are not above their teachers. There's a humility. There's a learning. There's an honor. There's a teachableness. There's a master apprentice, what Francis was saying. There are countless followers and crowds and sick and needy and opportunists, but there are few disciples. There's an urgent invitation. There's a word going around the world. I'm listening to some of the voices in the world, not just, not just the big normal voices, some of the unusual voices. Do you know what they're saying? Do you know what they're saying? Put Jesus at the center and you better get discipled and you better make disciples. You, Mr. Churchman, you elders of Red Point, you, Mr. Nick Hardy, if you don't make disciples, you're a one-hit wonder. You're a one-generation movement. It'll be over. But what we're trying to do is make disciples. And we seek to make disciples. So that's why, please come to one of the three blocks of discipleship that will be happening over the next, for the rest of the year. Please commit yourself to at least one every second Sunday to come here. It's not going to be worship unless the Lord asks us to worship. We're going to, we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to learn about Jesus. When you're a disciple, everybody knows you're a disciple. You're very visible. People say, but when you are a bachelor boy, a bachelor Christian, that's what I was. You see, I'm, I'm rehabilitated. I was saved a bachelor Christian. I was saved to do my own thing. I was, a, I was saved. I had a wonderful gift God gave me, but I was an independent Mustang. Ron Askham, I spoke to him this week. He said, some guy came up to me. He said, you've got a lot of energy. You've got a lot of zeal. You've got a lot of good stuff in you. But you are no use to God until you let him put a bridle on you. You will be of no use to God. And he said, okay, Lord, I'm yours. And you let the Lord yoke you. You let him break you. You're not a casual. Everybody knows. Jesus says he will never reject those who follow him. You never drive them away. Disciples count the cost. There's a daily dying. There's a daily sacrifice. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I'll follow you wherever you go. No, that was, a, that was, that was who? That was a teacher of the law. He said, I'll follow you wherever you go. What did Jesus say to him? Hey, Mr. Uh, Mr. Religious Leader, foxes have got holes and birds have got nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you good for the journey? I'm good. It's going to cost you. I'm good. Salvation is free. Discipleship is costly. Discipleship is costly. Why should, if I, do you know that this building was put up in 1994, I think. The land was built. Do you know that the people that took up the offering for this land and this building, if some of you clever people in the front do, it cost, I think, seven or eight million then. 
And then we did another alteration where we extended the building, we, and that cost another 9 or 10 million. Do you know what the present value of that is today? Do you know that in order that just the first building, I did it this morning, the present value of 9 million or 8 million rand today is 53 million? That, that if we wanted this building, we'd say, okay, come guys, come bring your offerings. You know that when they got saved, when this church was birthed, there were radical men and women who gave. They served life groups. They went to the beach. They got people baptized. They opened their homes. They went on mission. Shoot, it's hot up here. They gave. They, they prayed all night. Remember the, the worship team used to come to Glenridge where we were. We used to see the worship team, Finn and Izzy, carrying suitcases and, and literally guitars in the tube in London. I remember saying, oh, we know you from, we, we at Glenridge. He says, yeah, you, yeah, that's cool. Nice to meet you, Cutty. And I said to Cutty, check these guys. They're lugging guitars in tubes in London. Wow. And here in my Mercedes Benz as a young executive, I'm living, what do you call Mikey? The good life. Come, but come, I have need of you. I want to put my bridle on you. I want you to become a disciple. I want you to go to Chris Vinant and Terry Fouchet and Doug McDonald and say, Nick and Katia here. Yes, what can I do for you? We'd like to serve. Good, we'll phone you. One week later, can you do this? Can you do that? It's never stopped. I praise God. And this church has a core of disciples. And I'm basically inviting you to discipleship. You've been preaching long. What's the time? Somebody ring the bell. We give up control, Lord. We surrender our lives to your serenity. Everyone who's fully trained will be like his teacher. I want to prophesy. I want to heal. No, become like your teacher. Become trained, and I will give you gifts. And suddenly you'll be, you'll be doing amazing things, but you've been discipled. Not a loose, disconnected, uncertain, drifting bachelor Christianity. Be fathered. Be mentored. I hear this all the time when I, we travel now. Yeah, but that guy wasn't fathered. Somebody said to me, I wish that guy would come to Red Point. I hope I'm not blowing my own trumpet. They could be fathered. Somebody could mentor them. I wish, I wish that. Why are you drifting, bro? One minute here, one minute there. Come in. Come in and get discipled. Go and make disciples. That's what Jesus says. He didn't say go and make converts. We know that he came to seek and save the lost. You can't have a disciple unless you have a convert. But his injunction, all authority has been given to me. This is an authoritative statement. Therefore, go. Now, all of us are going. Tula went to England this morning. Tula's in, in um, Kingsgate this morning. He's standing in the gap. The lead elders have gone on sabbatical. Tula this morning, Mbambo, is standing in the gap for that church. He's going to preach. He's going to lead worship. He's going to meet with the leaders. Go into all the world. The guys in Lesotho this morning, I don't know what they're doing. They're doing something. We are authority. All of it rose from the dead. Now I'm telling you, I'm giving you an authoritative statement. Go and make disciples. Go and baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinitarian faith. We believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, and we believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me the gifts have stopped. Don't tell me about cessation. I'm not interested. I'm telling you that God will heal. He'll prophesy. The Spirit will move. And then I want you to go with the gospel, and I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Just say that again, Lord. I'm just going to have like a prophetic time. No, I want you to go and teach them my commands. What? No, no, 
Did you teach the church at Red Point the commands of Christ? Did you, did you teach it? Ah, well, Lord, we just had like good meetings and we had revivals and it was fantastic. Did you teach them to obey my commands? And lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. I want to close with this. C.S. Lewis. You know, England is, is post-Christian now. This is what he said a few years ago. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I don't want all that. I want you. <laughs> I've not come to torment your natural self, but I've come to kill it. Dead to self, alive to Christ. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree. I want it down. <laughs> I don't want to draw the tooth, Francois, or put a crown on it, or stop it. I don't know what that means. But I want the tooth out. Hand over the whole self to me, and all your desires, which you think are innocent, as well as the ones you think are wicked. I want the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, here it comes, I will give you myself. <laughs> My whole will shall become yours. Would you stand with me, please? So while the band comes up, I want to give you an opportunity. If you said, Nick, I've never, I've never experienced the new birth. Every eye closed. If you've never experienced the new birth, I'd love to pray with you this morning. You say, I'm not, I've never transitioned. I've never repented. I've never, and I desire that today. I want to pray with you. The second group I want to pray for is if you've withdrawn, if you're hurt, if you've given up. He said, God's called me, but I've, perhaps you can use the word, I've backslidden. I've, 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 with, I've retreated. It's not so much that I'm involved in overt sin, and if you are involved in overt sin, I'd like to pray with you this morning. Perhaps there's a backsliding, there's, there's I knew to do good, but I, I took my inheritance. I couldn't do this anymore. Two groups of people. Those that have never experienced the joy of being born again, today's the day where I want to invite you. Another group of people that you've been around the church, that you've just, you've lost, you've lost, you've withdrawn. Perhaps you're hurt, perhaps you're angry. If you need to be born again this morning, just raise your hand. If you've never been born again, you've never said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I'm done with my old life. I want to serve you. Just raise your hand, please. Every eye closed. Anybody in this hall. Say, actually, I don't know if I die where I'll go. I don't know that my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Just please raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Anybody in this hall. Christians praying. Devil's saying, don't. I said, the Spirit is saying, come. 
you want to be born again of the Spirit, raise your hands so that I can see it. Anybody, Christians praying. This is often a time of there's a, there's a battle in the heavenlies. I give you an opportunity to come. I'd love to pray with you. People will pray with you. You can be born again out of Egypt into the promises of God. Anybody. Anybody this morning. I know you're here. I know you're here. I know there's some people that God is calling you to cross the threshold into salvation. The Spirit of God is calling you. There's maybe a wrestle inside of you. Don't do this. Wait. You're not ready. I say, today is the day of salvation. Raise your hand, please. Anybody? And then the other group I want to pray for is people that you just feel I've, I've withdrawn. I've not, perhaps you've never been yoked. Perhaps you, you, you've, not, you've not surrendered your life to the place where you're saved, but you're struggling in terms of discipleship. You're struggling in terms of inclusion. Okay, raise your hand as well. Anybody here? Believers. Thank you, thank you. Number of hands. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. You're just, you're just tired. You, 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 you're out of the game. You're in the peripherals. You're saying, Lord, I'm taking this bridle off of me. That group, come and stand here, please. I'd love to pray with you. Just come, come stand. Don't think about anything. Don't think about people. Just come to my left here. Face me. Come to the front. Come quickly. Just come. Just come. Thank you. Come. Lots of you put your hands up. Come. Lots of you put your hands up. Come. Right at the back to my left. Come. Don't worry about people. Just, just look ahead of you. Look ahead of you at the call of Christ. Look ahead of you at the cross of Christ. Look ahead of you at the years that are, that are unfolding before you. Come. 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 So actually, I've been, I've just, I've been unbridled. I've, I've just done my own thing. Come in Jesus' name. What am I coming to? I'm just asking you to come to Christ. I'm forcing you to become a disciple. I'm saying, come. Make a stand. Come out your seat this morning in the name of Jesus. In a sense, the prodigal, and, and we all have an aspect of, I'm a prodigal. I need, to, I need to come back. There's an aspect of your life, come, and you can come and stand up here this morning and say, that's me. Can I ask the leaders just to come behind these guys and just to pray for them? We just, we're just going to pray for you. I know there's more. I feel I'm pulling teeth this morning. If there's anybody that needs to be saved, I'm still waiting for you, that you need to be saved, you need to be born again. I'd love you to come to my right. I'll just wait a bit longer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Strong call this morning, isn't there? Strong call. Jesus, if you walked into the doors of my left here this morning, what would you say to us? If you walked into this auditorium, 
in person, what would you say, Lord? What would you say to us? What, how would you encourage us? What's your message to us? Speak it, Lord, for your servants are listening. In the name of Jesus. Speak it, Lord, for your servants are hearing. Speak your word over us by your spirit for your servants are listening, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that your right hand of salvation would, would pluck some people out of darkness today, out, Lord, and into the kingdom of God and his light. In the name of Jesus. So would you extend your hands to these precious people here this morning? In the prayer meeting this morning, we, 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 said, we I used the picture of Moses lifting up his hands because there was a battle. And when his hands got weary, the enemy advanced. And then his friends, Aaron Hur held his hands up. And when his hands went up, the armies of God under the uh, the leadership of Joshua advanced against the enemy. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands with me this morning for the sake of the church, for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of advancing, for the sake of victory. Come on, church. Come on. You're all Christians here this morning. We need to raise our hands. The hour is urgent. The year is new. The, the, the Lord beckons. It's opportunity ahead of us that awaits us. Every one of us, myself included, want to take a step forward into the kingdom. We want to advance the kingdom. We lift our hands to you on behalf of our brothers and sisters, but on behalf of ourselves, Lord Jesus. Is there anything in our lives that you want to break off, Lord? Is there any chain you want to cut? Is there any mindset you want to change, Lord? Break us, Lord, into your service, I pray, like a wild Mustang roaming around the hills of America, Lord, doing their own thing. We come now to you. O great shepherd of the sheep, and we ask you, Lord, bridle us. Take us into your service, Lord Jesus. Make disciples of this church, we pray, in your precious name. Some of you here are going to become disciples, and very soon, within months, you're going to be making disciples. God is going to give you men and women under your watch, under your care, in your life group, and you're going to teach them the word. It won't be for long. It may be for a year or two or three, and then you're going to release them back, and they're going to be making disciples in the name of Jesus. I prophesy discipleship over this church. I prophesy the authority of God, the word of God. I come against every spirit of independence and doing our own thing, Lord. But Lord, we want to be known. We want to say I belong to Red Points or whatever church you're visiting from this morning. These are my leaders. I'm committed there. I'm serving there. I'm being discipled. I'm making disciples. Lord, take us on, we pray, in the name of Jesus. We want to gather ourselves to pray and to fast for four days, Lord, so that your kingdom can advance through our lives. We don't just want our needs met. We want your kingdom to advance through our lives in the name of Jesus, we pray. Mikey, thank you so much. Stay up here, you guys.